coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, the Galarian forms of Patrick and Mark are both Dickensian orphans. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the Pokemon news from last week. And then on Thursday, we are going to be taking some listener questions. Uh, But Mark, in the meantime, how are you? I'm doing great. I just realized for the first time that um, the cord on this headphone is in the perfect place where I can like pretend I have locks of hair like long beautiful hair yes and you can just stroke it absentmindedly as we yeah, talk and i get it i get the appeal of long hair now okay you you get the appeal of having one very thick long hair i mean that's like a baby step having like sure right yeah. so like I mean, next next week you'll come in with like a bunch of extra headphones right yeah okay. exactly exactly um have you ever had long hair patrick I've I feel had like you I've, could pull it off like shoulder length. Yeah, I've had mm-hmm. I've had shoulder length. Hair. I totally see it. Uh here's the thing though. Uh hard um to control and like it would always end up in my mouth. <laughs> like eating, but did, but eating did, is hard with long uh, hair. But didn't you always like everywhere you were going you looked like tempest tossed in love? Oh well yes. Oh, I was a beautiful boy <laughs> when I did it. So, you know, you have to, like, balance those two things out. Speaking of balancing out, beautiful boys, uh, my copy of Sonic Forces, uh, it will... Is it, is it, like, a counterbalance to beautiful boys? I, I think so. Okay. I think it is. It's the... Um, uh, yeah, it's the counterbalance. Yeah, it, it's, it's like the anti-Sonic Forces. <laughs> yeah. um, you can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. All you have to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com. Uh, with a mailing address, and I send my copy of Sonic Forces to you in the mail. You can play it for as long as you want. You send it back. Patrick includes return postage. It's all on me. Mark, what else are we doing? A Donkey Kong 3 high score competition. That's right. Now, warning up front, this game is terrible. But you can win socks. Yes. Mark has procured some socks for us. Uh, and whoever gets the highest score by August 23rd wins. And you can, you can get those scores to us either by emailing us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com or tweeting at us at Nincart Society with photographic proof of your high score. That's all it takes. Um, also, while, you, while you're doing that, you should send us your uh, Super Mario Maker 2 levels. Uh, yeah, because... Um, Look, uh, Nintendo announced over the weekend that there have been over 5 million courses uploaded. Uh, and so far, you guys have sent us like 11. Which we love. We love those, but we would love more. We would love more. Look, I'll be happy when we hit a million. Yeah. When people I, have sent us a million courses. I don't know that I'd be happy when we hit a million, but I'd at least feel fine about it. Like, Right, sure. I, yes, we will. Let's let go the dream of ever feeling happy. <laughs> Let's at least be satisfied in this one tiny sliver of our lives. <sighs> and I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week.
I'm going to be uh, repetitive here uh, because I'm in love with Fire Emblem Three Houses. Me also loving uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I, it's uh, just so the more I play it, the more I realize that like everything that I said about uh, Fire Emblem uh, Awakening and the way it has this like great synthesis between you know the relationship building and how it affects like your units and like how they do in battle and then that in turn affects how the social dynamics work i feel like this game does all of that but better um and i care about everyone i just want to recruit everyone to my cause very few people will be recruited by me i'm trying so hard to recruit caspar and he just will <laughs> not be recruited i got up my brawling stat wow is that one that you had previously been like what kind of character are you building uh so my, my byleth is basically just a uh just a a sword uh user like uh, when when i can get him to the is it sword master um when i can get that advanced class that's probably the the route i'm going to take him. He is currently a thief um my byleth is also currently a thief oh my gosh similar paths um yeah, uh, and it's just it was because I really didn't have anyone uh, filling that role. Well, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm asking is like, will you ever build up your brawler's skill? Because that seems to me, at least the way I'm building my character, very different. Yes, from uh, just like the thief swordsman. So here's the thing: uh, my, since Byleth has to be in every single fight. Um, he is massively overpowered right now. Like he's, you know, three or four levels higher than everyone else. Um, Cause I also just, it means he's super effective. So like, I'll just throw him out in the middle of the field and like people just go after him. Yeah. Weirdly, Dimitri is the character on my team who is like way more leveled than everybody else. No, that makes sense though. Cause he's, he's also in every fight. Right. Right. Um, like my Claude is also like super uh, leveled up for for that very reason. Um, so like both of them, I will frequently send everyone else on a mission, and then like the two of them go like <laughs> around the top side of the map and just like clean up up there. Um, but yeah, it, it, and eventually I recruited Catherine, the the teacher Catherine, um, and she is a sword master. And it's like, oh well, now she and Byleth are a little bit redundant to each other. Um, and they also both have uh, like magical weapons or whatever they're called. Um, so they're both too powerful. Um, so yeah, at, at this point, I'm like, okay, I can start to sink, uh, you know, uh, the like teacher lessons um, into uh, other points that I that I wouldn't normally for for Byleth. So I can get those brawl points mm -hmm. and recruit Caspar and his amazing haircut. It's a great haircut. I love it so much. Uh, okay, so in all of the love for Fire Emblem Three Houses, yes, I neglected Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order. Had it for like one week, played it for forty-five minutes, yes. and then was just like, no, my new love is Fire Emblem Three Houses. So this week, I went back and played a little bit more of Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three. I guess I've put like a couple of hours into it at this point, and I think me, like every most everybody else, was kind of sleeping on this game. It's really fun. Oh, yeah? So the gameplay itself is, is fun. It's good. It's very, like I've said before, basically a game from 2009. Yeah. In all aspects. But the writing, if you have any affinity for the Marvel characters from the movies, from the comic books, I, to me, it's really amazing how they've been able to balance the two. Oh, and, interesting. And um, it's like, so if you're a fan of the movies, the characters from the movies are very recognizably those characters. But the tone of the whole story, like the remaining characters, they fit right in 
to the to that world and that yeah. sense of like kind of like you know it's it's all like fun playful kind of sarcastic banter and it's great i am really enjoying the like mixing and matching characters and seeing how they like interact with each other right now i'm rocking an all spidey team oh, so i have yeah. spider-man i have spider-gwen i have miles morales and i have venom and um spider-gwen and miles morales move set at least at this point is very similar if not identical yeah but i just like having all of them together yeah, running around I mean, th- there's something fun and novel about like yeah it's all it's all spiders but it was also fun to have like had like captain america in there and i was like oh, i'll try like scarlet witch and uh just like it really is just a joy to like mix and match the different characters so um i'm definitely going to be putting more time into it good uh that's cuz that that is a game that i know i do want to get to or get back to i've i've not uh purchased it even so get back to it probably isn't correct um but like you know my my heart belongs to fire emblem right now and it's going to be a long time before i can pull myself away from it um but i you know i know nintendo uh there will come a stretch where i'm like what what am i what am i playing what i I need something to play like february next year like february next year yeah uh i've also picked up the cadence of hyrule demo yeah tell me about your experience with that but it's new to me anyways and um so i think the music is really good i think it's like i like the art style i like all of that it didn't really click for me in the sense of like the actual gameplay, like the combat and everything. Yeah. I didn't find incredibly enjoyable. This but- is a game that I've watched a lot of video about, um, or just video of people playing it because I'm like I'm worried that I'm not gonna like the way it plays. Um, you know, I, I like rhythm games, but like for whatever reason marrying that with Zelda doesn't feel like the way I want to explore that kind of world. Yeah, and I I don't even know if I would classify it as like a rhythm game in when I was playing it. That's, I think that's more what I was expecting. Yeah. And maybe that's how it was, it is supposed to be played. And if you're good at it, that's what it feels like. But maybe because I wasn't good at it, it didn't feel like, um, it didn't click for me, but I like that the demo exists for like the reason that you're saying, I think it's worth checking out, but, um, it didn't really do anything for me. Um, all right. Well, that is what we've been playing this week. Um, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, August 13th, Friday the 13th, the game Ultimate Slasher Switch Edition is released. Ah, they saved that one for a Tuesday the 13th release. Classic. Um, isn't Friday the 13th, that's that's like the online multiplayer, like asynchronous game, right? Where like one person is the killer and then everyone else is the campers? I believe so. Um, is the Switch's online infrastructure like up for this? Or? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, it reminds me so much of Dead by Daylight. Yeah. Is that what that game is yeah. called? That's basically the same kind of experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that's also coming at some point. So presumably... All right. Um, and then on August 16th, the Grandia HD collection is coming to the Switch eShop. Mm-hmm. It's Grandia, the Saturn version, and Grandia 2, the PC anniversary version. Yeah, and both of those uh, games have been updated with like textures and uh, like new fonts and menus and stuff like that. Um, and widescreen cinematics. 
Grandia is not really a series that I'm familiar with. Grandia is not really a, a series that I'm familiar with either. Um, I've just been seeing like a little bit of buzz around it, um, and I it made me like wonder if it is a, an RPG series that I should be, um, you know, a little bit more plugged into. Um, and I know that these these first two are sort of like the cornerstone. I, I think there's a a third one and then a couple spinoff games. Um, so I don't. It's uh, it's something that I am interested in, but like Cadence of Hyrule is probably just something that I will watch some videos of and then you know move on. Yeah, it just feels a little weird to me to have like I love JRPGs, so to have this like blind spot in a series is a li- feels a little bit weird. Yeah, but I mean, jeez, uh, JRPGs uh, like the list of relevant JRPGs is so long, and all of the games are so long that like to catch up on them is n- near impossible. You no, know? you're right. Um, and if uh, if Square Enix is going to keep re-releasing Final Fantasy games... Which they are. Which they are. Um, and then also uh, they're going to put out uh, Dragon Quest... Dragon... Yes, Quest Eleven. Um, that That's like another... Like, I'm there already. Like, I'm already... I'm already deep in it. Um, so yeah, I'll probably look just into this a little bit and uh, see what I've been missing. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the flavors in Neapolitan ice cream. Uh, so, let's... Let's just make sure we're on the same page here. Mm-hmm. Vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. What is the genesis of Neapolitan ice cream? Do you know? No. Really putting you on the spot here. Yeah, you really are. Because <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about this as like being part of the topic. No, it's just not but like... I'm a, just curious. A Neapolitan, I'm looking it up. Okay. Uh... A native or citizen of Naples? Okay, well, there you go. That answers my question. Okay, Neapolitan ice cream is a type of ice cream composed of three separate flavors. Vanilla, chocolate, (laughs) strawberry Mm -hmm. ice cream, ranged side by side in a container, usually without any packaging in between. Wikipedia. History. Neapolitan ice cream was named uh, in the late 19th century as a reflection of its presumed origins in the cuisine of the Italian city, city of Naples. So I guess that's where the name comes from. Fair. Um... And then usually, right? Well, no the <laughs> the picture on the um, Wikipedia is just like a brick of this ice cream on a plate, um, <laughs> which is very funny to me. It's as though they took like the the Briars container and just like dumped it upside <laughs> down and lifted it off the plate. Um, do you like a Neapolitan ice cream? Yes. Why the hesitation, Mark? Okay. Well. Two things about me. Right. I don't really like ice cream, Mm. and I don't really like chocolate. You're a candy boy. I am a candy boy. And, like, it's not that I dislike chocolate or I dislike ice cream. It's just that's not... When I have a sweet tooth craving, it's not any of those two things. Yeah. Um, For me, it is both of those two things. I also think... uh, Because I I love ice cream. Uh, Born and raised in Wisconsin. Lived there for, you know, over... I don't know, like 25 years. Um, so, like, I am not, uh, I, I am a creamsman by trade, by birth. 
<laughs> I like ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my father will engage in secret ice cream, as he calls it, when he stops on his way home from work to get ice cream and not tell anyone about it. <laughs> he has a problem with food. Um, I also think that strawberry ice cream is uh, a- an underrated, like poorly represented flavor of ice cream. I think it's amazing. And no one wants to admit it. Patrick, strongly agree. Strong oh, agree. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I did not want to get in a fight with you just now. <laughs> so uh, I think we can all agree that these are three solid flavors. Yes. If you had to order them best to worst, like which one are you diving in first? Because I understand the joy of the Neapolitan ice cream is getting all three flavors. Right. It's just doing one solid scoop like all the way across uh-huh. and get it, getting them all. Uh, but if I have to order them? Yeah. Well, I don't want to go against the Bare Naked Ladies, so I got to say that vanilla is the finest of the flavors. And then strawberry and then chocolate. So I think for me that the um, the order in which I've liked these the best follows my path to adulthood. Okay, go on. When I was a child, vanilla was my favorite because it's the most like inoffensive flavor. Right. right. And then I really liked strawberry because it's the closest to candy. And then as an adult, I like occasionally to indulge in the chocolate flavor. See, the thing is, I do really like... So, basically the, the same order. Well, didn't you say vanilla is the best? Yes. The finest. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying vanilla is like the least... Oh, I see. Uh, uh, I yes. see. I, so, y- you were ranking them... From worst to best, and I was from best to worst. <laughs> right. Um, the the thing that the the why I, why I put chocolate like the lowest on mm-hmm. my list for a Neapolitan is that I don't think you're getting the best chocolate ice cream in a Neapolitan, or probably like chocolate experience. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, I guess that is also true of the um, vanilla as well. So. Why aren't I knocking that? Well, I mean, it is well because you don't want to anger. I don't want. That's right. Bare naked ladies, which that's is fair. Right. Uh, well known listeners of this podcast. <laughs> I but I also think that I forgot what I was going to say. Um, so there is. Oh well, I guess we will. Ooh, if we'll I just never held know. off for a few more seconds, <laughs> then it would, it would have been, been saved a, by the applause. A nice clean cut off. Uh, we were accompanied today by. <clears throat> bear with me. Ike Anger Jorsvik Music Lang. Ike Anger is a great name. Uh, I think it's the name of a... Uh, it's not like a person named Ike Anger. Oh, because that'd be my pen name if I was making like a Clive Cussler type series of novels. <laughs> um, you should get on that right now. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Ike Anger is the best pen name I've ever heard. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Patrick. Mark. Let's talk about the Pokemon news from last week. Let's do it! So the official Pokemon Twitter unleashed a torrent of news about the upcoming Sword and Shield, first in the form of a two-minute trailer. Mm-hmm. And then there were tweets that followed that sort of explained some of the things that were happening in the trailer, and then also uh, some other things that weren't in the trailer uh, at all. So we found out about Galarian forms. Right. So not only do we have... Uh, Dynamax Pokemon and Gigamax Pokemon. Uh-huh. We have also Galarian forms. So were Alolan forms the first time that they've done 
I don't think either of us are going to know no. the answer to this question. No, but I, th- but I, I think, think it, they were. I think they were. Yeah. Because I remember them making a big deal about, about it last time. Yeah. So in Sun and Moon, they introduced the idea of like region-specific forms of Pokemon that you know and love, but now mm-hmm. they have like curly hair or something. Right. Or not, or you, I like that they use these forms to do... Uh, funny things or weird things. Remember, there and, was like region specific yes. things. Because uh, there was that. Oh, I'm gonna forget what the Pokemon is even called. But the one that ha- it's like the Executor, maybe. No, that's not. Oh it. yeah, wait, the, the, the one that's super tall neck. Yeah, I yeah. think the, the one that's like a palm tree. Yeah, I think it is Executor. Um. Yeah. So that you know, it we're just like really ridiculously tall. Um, taller than any Pokemon by like a mile. Um. And so, like, it's that same... It looks like they're doing that same sort of nonsense here um, with uh, some different Pokemon. Yeah, so probably the one that took the internet by storm Uh is the Galarian Weezing. Yes. Which uh, is a poison fairy type who looks like a, like, late 19th century, like, Edwardian England lord. Yeah, he's a gentleman. (laughs) He's possibly two gentlemen. (laughs) So, like, the Weezing already is, like, a big ball of... Gas, gas? <laughs> but also gas isn't quite right. It's like two of them stuck together, like on a weird little flesh tether. Um, describing Pokemon so is disgusting. so hard. But the Galarian version, they're wearing big like stovetop pipe hats, um, and they've got big mustaches <laughs> and like beards. Basically, yeah. they look like um, you know, like railroad barons. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Yes, yeah. So they look evil. They look rich and evil. They look evil, but part of the like mythology around them is that they um they suck in the air pollution from uh from Galar because it is, you know, uh <laughs> Dickens era uh London basically. Um and uh so like they do have poison around them because they're sucking in these toxins. Um but they're like purifying it because they're fairy type as well. Well, I just I what I really love about this is that, you know, the Alolan forms were all about island vibes yeah. and, you know, like, that sort of thing. And uh, the Galarian forms are, like, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Or, or I mean, the, so the, the next ones that we're going to talk about have a little bit of, like, a uh, like a rock and roll feel to them. Like a, like a, but I'll, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you're going to have to help me out with the names. I will try. They're, like, the Galarian Zigazagoon. Yep, Zig Zigzagoon. Yep, he's like a little badgery looking guy. And then the Galarian Luluni. I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, Obstagoon. So Obstagoon is the the third evolution, or I guess the second evolution, uh, the third form of this type of Pokemon. And the Galarian form of it is the only one that has that evolution. In previous forms, it stopped after Linuni or whatever it's called. Um, and so so I like the idea that not only are they saying like here, the Galarian form uh, looks different, has some different properties to it, but it can also evolve one more time in certain cases, which seems really cool to me. They all have uh, black and white fur on their faces. The quarters kind of look like the Kiss Face paint, yeah, from like the band kiss, yeah. So like the the uh, zigzagoon, um, he's got like the the Starman makeup. It looks like, um, and uh, a lot of people have been saying that the Obstagoon, the ultimate evolution, looks like Gene Simmons uh, of Kiss uh, with like the devil makeup uh, and his, like a tongue that like sticks way out. But 
Kiss is not British. Kish, kiss is not British. Okay. This is something that we need to understand. I mean, I'm uh, totally fine with it. I'm totally fine with it, too. Because it, it, it harkens to, like, the right era of, like, 60s, 70s, like, like punk rock. Um, like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. If we're, like, kind of tying it a little bit to, like, The Clash or something, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So they also introduced a new Pikachu-esque type character, which seems to be like such Pikachu. <laughs> another type of Pokemon that we get one every generation. Right. It's like, here's one not Pikachu, and this year's not Pikachu is more Pico. Yes. It's a uh, form-changing Pokemon. has two forms, a full belly mode, mm-hmm. which is an electric dark type, and then one hangry mode. And while in hangry mode, its aura wheel moves to, like, electric dark type yeah so the, it has a move called aura wheel um and i'm not sure what it is normally but when it's in hangry mode it is an electric dark type attack um it's just w- weird that this thing gets hungry and then changes uh, but cute oh yeah oh 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 it's adorable the whole time yeah um we also got some new rivals mm-hmm Beady. sure oh great uh who looks like a grandmother yeah, but the Twitter account, uh, when describing the character, is using masculine pronouns. Uh, so I don't know what <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who BD is. And then there's also Marnie, who is like a cool goth English chick. Yeah, um, and she's great. She seems really cool. Uh, I like that the rival look. This is just again that like all of the character designs in this are so full of personality um, that like. It is. I, I feel like they're dangerously attractive characters, right? <laughs> that like people like these trainers, um, which I don't. I mean, maybe maybe that is always true of Pokemon's is is. Um, but I don't remember this sort of like hype around um, Sun and Moon and like being excited about the other people you were going to encounter in the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, people really like Team Skull a lot. Yeah, that's true. But I can't really remember like the rivals. In particular. No, me neither. Um, so there's no Team Skull this time, but there is Team Yell, mm-hmm. which are like football hooligans. They, Yeah, they definitely are. They're, they're, <laughs> which I really like. They're basically a toxic, Marnie's toxic fan base um, that they want her to win and be celebrated at all costs. She cannot control them. So they'll show up to events and like cause a ruckus and she'll be like, no, please don't. And they'll do it anyway. Like an improv scene. Like. Right. Everybody Look, drink. Here's a rule in an improv scene when someone says, please don't do this, you have to do it. It's only an improv. Only an improv. In life, do not do the thing you are told not to do. And because, uh, you know, um, the gig economy, Pokemon can get jobs now. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit unclear what happens to them when they get jobs, but like you send them out on jobs. Yeah, I think it. Uh, this is, you see similar mechanics to this in other RPGs. Yeah. Um, I know like Fallout Shelter, just for example, is one where like you send a citizen of the shelter out and then they basically are just like off screen doing stuff. And then when they get back, you get like a reward or something. That's what it seems like here. Instead of just having Pokemon sit in your box and you don't use them, there's some utility for the Pokemon and you can keep like leveling them up. Yeah. And that's. Uh, that that's fine. I I don't. It, it this seems like a a, a uh, just another little like busybody mechanic in, in a Pokemon game that I will forget about and not actually utilize. Yeah, but I think that I th- I think that's okay. I think one of the things totally. that I'm realizing the more that I 
uh, just like have less time to play games. Like Fire Emblem Three Houses is a really good example. I, people would probably listen to the way that I'm playing it and be like, oh, you're playing that all wrong. But the cool thing about games is you can play them however you want. Oh, yeah. If you're enjoying a game, uh, you're playing it right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I used to, I don't know. I, I really used to think that like, oh, you know, you're supposed to not necessarily do things one particular way, but it's like, oh, if you're not like following the story or whatever, why, like you're not getting the full thing out of the game. But then now you see, I don't know, like I guess my eyes have been open because you see people who are just like spending entire games trying to kill enemies by opening doors and doing like stuff like that. Yeah. Where not the traditional gameplay, but I don't know. I don't know why I went on that little rant. Uh, Pokemon because, jobs. Because we know that uh, Pokemon jobs are probably not jobs that we will actually, we probably will not participate in this, and that's fine. Doesn't make the game any less good. Yeah, totally. Um, hey, are your Joy-Con drifting too much? Yes, they are, Mark. <laughs> Do you want to spend $80 for a new pair? Because eh. they're green. Oh! Uh, an- you can get dre- green Joy-Con in North America starting on October 28th. You can currently pre-order them on BestBuy.com. Yeah, um, so here's something I'm not entirely clear on. They are being uh, marketed as green, the color green, but they look to be identical to the green that comes in the neon pink, neon green Splatoon 2 set of Joy-Con. So I don't know if these are also neon green or if it's the same color and it is the name is changed to just green. Right. When it's by itself, it does look less like... It looks like a less loud color, but like if you compare them like side by side, they look identical. I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's the exact same ones. Right. Uh, coming off the hills of some controversy surrounding the new casino in Grand Theft Auto V, and just general controversy around loot boxes in general, mm-hmm. um, Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony have all announced policies uh, requiring developers include a complete list of drop rates for all randomized loot boxes at some point in the future. Yeah, in 2020, or not not before 2020. A statement from Nintendo to Eurogamer reads as follows, quote, at Nintendo, ensuring that our customers can make informed choices when they play our games is very important. As part of our ongoing efforts in this area, Nintendo will require disclosure of drop rates in Nintendo Switch games that offer randomized virtual items for purchase, such as loot boxes. This requirement will apply to all new games and include updates to current games that add loot boxes through in-game purchases. We also offer tools like our Nintendo Switch Parental Controls mobile app, which empowers parents to choose what works for their family, including managing in-game purchases and setting playtime limits. So this is all good. Um, I I feel like I don't encounter loot boxes all that frequently in the games that I play. Yeah, I think that's purely because we don't play games that are monetized almost exclusively through that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So this to me feels, I think this is great. But it feels very much like uh, the ESA and these companies trying to get out ahead of legislation. Totally. Basically being like, you don't have to regulate us because we're, we're going to regulate ourselves. Yeah, which, I mean, is, is also good, though. Like, that's where we get, like, the, uh, that's where, like, movie ratings come from. That's where game ratings come from. Um, that's where a parental advisory sticker on the front of a CD comes from. Um, so, like... I, it's it's really just about more transparency of like here's here's how much we're trying to screw you by uh you know putting loot boxes in this game and if you can see some numbers and make an educated choice and be like oh then why bother um I guess maybe the thing that that sort of elides is the like addictive nature of gambling yeah to see to me this feels like uh in California 
your restaurants are supposed to put the calories yes. on the menu so that way people can make healthy choices. But I don't really think that that has been effective in the way that they were like, it's great to, to have more information, yeah. but I agree completely that like taking these steps won't stop people who are addicted to loot boxes or addicted right. to gambling or have that sort of, you know, like personality. It's not going to stop them from doing anything. Right. Because, I mean, people also spend too much money playing the lottery and like the odds of winning those is uh, well known and very low. Um, so, you know, it's uh, uh, maybe only half a solution to what is uh, like a genuine problem in the way games are monetized. So do you think we'll see Nintendo do this for like Fire Emblem Heroes? Yeah, or? that's interesting. And like Dragalia Lost and like the their their mobile games that do this. I don't know because as far as um those games are concerned, they're not the platform. They're the publisher. Um and they're only asking this of publishers on their platform. Um so I don't know. That's a that's a great question. Cuz it seems like at least from what I've seen it it seems like mobile games have been totally excluded from this controversy you know people are talking about it for call of duty or fortnite or uh another game that i don't play that has loot boxes apex legend yes exactly overwatch totally Mm, something else (laughs) counter strike the division (laughs) (laughs) um but mobile games you know have been guilty of this for longer than console games have yeah well i feel like mobile games is one of those places where like we've sort of thrown up our hands and we're just like, I don't know, these are predatory. I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. It's the only way they make money is if they're predatory. If yeah. they're not predatory, no one buys them. Yeah, I had, I had a friend who used to work for a um, large mobile publisher mm. uh, and, and developer. Ooh, mysterious. And he I, won't name who the publisher is. And they really were, it, I mean, it's a well-known general rule of thumb that it's like 80% or uh 20% of people will make up like 80% of the consumption. Yeah. And that is absolutely true in these like mobile game microtransactions. Like 20% yeah. of people are a hundred percent subsidizing the other 80%. Did I throw around too many percentages there? You, you did a little bit, but I I think I think that's even well that may might be a little bit like troubling to think about. Um the reverse is also true in in business or in like any sales environment that you are going to spend, uh, it's the 90-10 principle, that you spend 90% of your time working on 10% of your clients, um, and the rest of your clients are just you know, service normally, and like you don't need to spend uh, ridiculous amounts of time with them. But the people that you do need to spend a lot of time on, you do, and it, like the return isn't, isn't equal. Um, so like, if it's true from the customer side, it is also true from the company side. NCS, not just a Nintendo podcast. You basically just got your MBA. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, uh, <laughs> supply and yes. demand, people. Mm-hmm. What more do you need? <laughs> uh, the NES Switch Online games for August were revealed, and boy, are they weird. These are weird games. So we're getting Vice Project Doom mm-hmm. and Kung Fu Heroes on August 21st. Now, Kung Fu Heroes is like a, a rare NES cart, right? It is not a game that a lot of people had access to, and so it's not one that you're going to have like memories of playing at your cousin's house or whatever. Um, I, I am uh, very interested to try both these games. So I'm not, but I've really come around on these NES online games. Tell me why. For the reason that you mentioned, like um, Kung Fu Heroes, yes, not well known, not a lot of people had it, not like there's lots of cartridges out there just floating around. Right. And I, th- 
in a way, I think it's really cool that Nintendo is spending the time to, like, make these... I mean, this part I don't really care about, but, like, the online part of it kind of feels like wasted effort to me. Uh But I really like... Where it's like, yeah, the NES library is huge. Huge and, and strange. It, yeah. You know, there are so many people now who are Nintendo fans or grew up in the N64 or GameCube era that the NES is, you know, a complete mystery. And so I think it's really cool to be introdu- reintroducing these games because I don't think they're totally uh, void of value. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, whether or not, like, they're games that you actually, like, want to actively play, the fact that they are being, uh, like, represented, um, even just, like, as historical artifacts is is very interesting. If they, like, rebranded this thing as, like, NES Museum, um, like, that would be great, that you could just, like, go in and see what these games are about. Um, and then, like, that also makes the, uh, like, the SP versions of the games make a little bit more sense, where they're like, here's what the game is, but also here's what the game could be if you, you know, worked really hard and, like, got all the power-ups or whatever. Yeah, I completely agree. And not to keep, like, harping on this, but if we ever did get a SNES online for Switch, um, uh, you know, we've talked about before that a lot of NES games don't really do anything for me. But I love this idea of, like you were saying, as an, an SNES like museum is so appealing to me because I know that there are a ton of amazing Super Nintendo games that I've never played. Yeah, and man, it would be so cool if they could get like because I feel like the uh, the Super NES had so many like licensed games. Like you know, give me those like those Disney games on there. Like I want to play the Lion King game on the the Super NES. Like how cool would that be if they could? you know, actually get their hands on them. And finally, last week, DuckTales Remastered was removed from all digital sh- stores, including the Wii U eShop. August 8th was the last day to purchase the game. Uh, they really put it on discount. It was 75% off. Uh-huh. Of course, uh, oops, we're yeah, past we, that. We, we, we've, blown, we've blown past that date, but I think they announced it on like Monday and then the 8th was Wednesday or... Something along those lines. Yeah, it was really short turnaround. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is obviously, you know, was one of the things with, like, Disney games um, or anything with a, a license that is that sort of fragile um, that it could go away at at, uh, at any moment. Um, but one thing I just wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to say about the, uh, about DuckTales Remastered coming off of uh, digital stores is, guys, this is not that big a deal. Um, this was not a good version of DuckTales. Um, the uh, they redid the graphics so it, it looked, you know, like the like the old cartoon. Got uh, you know original voice actors back, which is cool. But the game is so chatty, so chatty, uh, and it introduces like a, a new level at the beginning of the game before you start to like before you go into the like world select screen, um, and it doesn't have any. Uh, of the like quality of life improvements that the Disney Afternoon Collection like doesn't have the rewind feature, for example. Um, so like it, well, it is an interesting. Well, people were very excited about this game to come out in the first place. It wasn't as good as the original Ducktales was. Well, and also the original Ducktales, like you mentioned, is available in the Disney Afternoon Collection. Yeah. So it, again, not on Switch or on a Nintendo platform, but yeah. But available. Available. Yeah. So I mean, if. Uh, if if you're worried about not being able to play uh, Ducktales, um, you know, just grab the Disney Afternoon Collection now. It's got Ducktales. It's got a sequel to Ducktales. It's got two different Chip and Dale's games. Um, so like, you know, get get that. 
That that's a much better package than a DuckTales remastered. Like I'm sorta happy to see DuckTales <laughs> remastered go. Um I'm more power to you if you liked it, but like I it's I just don't think it's a big deal. Um all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, you can share it on Facebook or on Twitter or on a bulletin board at your coffee shop under someone offering guitar lessons for $35 an hour. Um, that helps us out tremendously. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, learn to play guitar yourself. It's not that hard. Find some videos online. Save 35 bucks. Thanks for listening. Campfire.